0: There are different slogans for different branches of the armed forces, and they all come to mind on a day like today. Today is Memorial Day. This is not a day for those who are the ones who served. These days, Memorial Day and some of the others, are commemorating those left behind, those who didn't make it home, or those who came home and... Well, they didn't just quite make it home themselves. This is a soldier story. And we'd like to start with Patrick Salvador, uh, a specialist Salvador, served in Iraq. He did two tours, some of it during the surge and some of the heaviest fighting that was seen there. And uh, he talks about what happened to him and what it was like. Okay. So where were you, uh, where were you deployed mostly? Uh, I was uh,
1: deployed in Iraq, um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and then it became Operation Enduring Freedom, mm-hmm. Winning Hearts and Minds after we dropped bombs on them. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: how was uh, how, how your, your tour? Were there a lot of other Phil Ams, uh in your unit?
1: Yeah, there was. Um, uh, it's funny because uh, when I got to Washington, I found out that the post commander, three-star general, was a Filipino. Uh, mm-hmm. General Soriano. Then my brigade commander, um, oh brigade sergeant major was a Filipino too. He had a Really heavy accent, so when he's yelling at 6,000 soldiers, nobody can understand him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you were there to translate,
1: <laughs> dude. I can't even understand him. <laughs> People are looking at me, it's like, Hey, what did he say? I was like, I don't
0: know. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's that's just uh, you know, they, they have to learn also sometimes. Yeah. You know. Uh, we had, we had to put up with their accents also sometimes, and and uh, they they, yeah. they often forget that they also have accents. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, when you were deployed, what year was that?
1: Uh, that was two thousand three to two thousand four, and then I went back from two thousand five to two thousand
0: six or two thousand six two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you basically saw the the second tour. I think that was part of the surge, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was um, in a mechanized infantry, uh-huh. and uh, since we were mobile, we just they just send us anywhere. There's like um, whenever there's like a, a city or a place that we need to recapture from the insurgents. Yeah, they, we go there.
0: Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, seeing, of course, all those things, I'm sure that was, you know, uh, difficult times for a lot of people, uh, even for guys like me in media. So as Patrick tells us more about, you know, his direct activities in Iraq during that time, let's take a quick jump back to history. You got to remember 4,400 or almost 5,000 young men and some not so young, gave their lives and sacrificed to uh, that conflict in Iraq. A lot of it happened uh, far beyond from our shores, and many of us only heard about it this way. In Iraq, US and Iraqi forces are trying to bring the violence under control in some of Baghdad's most dangerous neighborhoods. Among the American units involved in the expanded operations, the Tomahawks Battalion of the 172nd Striker Brigade Combat Team from Alaska. NPR's Tom Bowman spent some time with the strikers and he sent this report from the Iraqi capital. It's early morning and four armored vehicles roll out of their base in Baghdad. Their mission is to clean up one of the city's most violent neighborhoods, aptly named Jihad, Arabic for holy war. Each day, bodies are dumped in vacant lots. Shiite death squads are forcibly removing Sunnis there. There were reports of torture houses. I'm uh, Colonel Norris, uh, the commander of the uh, striker soldiers. Hello. hello. Yeah. Do you have time? I was hoping to talk to you a little bit about, yes, uh, yes. my soldiers are now operating in your area. Yes, yes. yes. Lieutenant Colonel John Norris and Colonel Muhammad, the police okay. commander, couldn't be more different. Norris is compact and intense with the mountain twang of his native Kentucky. Muhammad is wary and faunchy. He cradles two cell phones and orders his staff to bring a tray of soft drinks. Mo Muhammad talk to a translator how is the security in the area so as you can tell obviously the way NPR likes to report is always to find that point of conflict but there was conflict obviously between you know uh, former enemies basically uh, Iraqi policemen at that time and uh, the time that report was made was was very different than, than, than what it was now in fact uh, if you listen to the voice of uh, our uh, veteran who's talking to us, Patrick Salvador, his voice has changed from this.
1: Hi, my name is Special Salvador. I just want to say hi to my family in North Carolina, Meg, uh, Nikki, my mom, dad. I love you, I love you guys. Happy holidays.
0: So, you know, we we, we, we can hear him there talking, you know, when when he was doing a a Christmas greeting and, uh, you know, and uh, also when he was talking to his friends in Queens.
1: Hi, my name is Special Talzor in Mosul, Iraq. I just want to say hi to my friends in New York, uh, Mo, Adam, John. I'll see you guys when I come back. Happy Holidays.
0: And, uh, you know, we found these materials uh, on, on, on the military's website, and that's pretty much how life has been for many of these people as they come back and relive what has been. Let's listen to Patrick tell more of the story of what it was like and what he went through. All we had were cameras. Yeah.
1: Uh... Yeah. Um. Actually, one of my incidents was uh Um, there was a, a media that um, came with us, and that day was like a really painful day for all of us because uh, one of our entire squad, including the two reporters that was with us, uh, got blown up by an IED. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I fully understand the the, the risk that. Uh, you guys, like, take, you know, in order to deliver the news and information, you
0: know? Well, we're just telling your stories. That's that's our job, it's just to tell your story. Uh, you know, we don't really matter. We're just shadows. That's what we try and be, anyway.
1: Um, well, not really, because uh, with you guys telling our stories, then people understand what we go through, what, you know, the sacrifice that. Soldiers make, you know, because it's funny because uh, back then in 2001, when 9-11 happens, you know, it's like every American's like, oh, I love you. Uh, I want to help you. I want to take care of you. Then after that, looking at you know, the U.S. now, it's like, what happened to that?
0: And uh, I I know you said that, OK, so there were, you know, a commander and a sergeant. Uh, yeah. Who, who were Phil, Phil Am. Uh did you come across anyone who was Phil Am who got hurt or uh sacrificed during uh during your tours? Uh
1: no. Uh none of the Filipinos I know of uh that got hurt. Um uh-huh. it's just uh my other um teammates uh who are not Filipino are the only ones. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you all got back, you all came home?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I only really know one other Filipino um, that I'm close with, uh, but he was in the, the mortar um, team. So, I don't really work with him mm-hmm. because I was uh, in another team. But uh, yeah, we, we both um, came home and thank God for that. <laughs>
0: So let's go back to what exactly Patrick was a part of. Now, we got to remember from November 2003 to November 2004, a year, the 3rd Striker Brigade Combat Team, deployed from Fort Lewis, Washington, to support Operation Iraqi Freedom. And they fought in the sands and streets of Iraq. The 3rd Striker Brigade Combat Team uh, proved to be of huge value to the United States Army. And in the Brigade striker concept, Combat and logistics operations, according to reports that were released by the U.S. Army, they were brought back in June of 2006 to September of 2007. The combat team deployed from Fort Lewis uh, in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, of course, uh, first of all, uh, they they came in under a different operation name at that time. Uh, they had now deployed uh, under, uh, you know different relief-in-place operations, as, as they're called, with the uh, 172nd SBCT. And the brigade split between uh, the bridge proper and the 1st Brigade of the 1st Cavalry Division. And the respective units were based out of Balut, Taji, and uh, Greater Baghdad. The bulk of the 46 soldiers that were killed in action during the deployment of this brigade occurred in this time frame. Uh, more soldiers died than the 46. Um, but these stories, of the special ones, for those who remember them, are for like uh, Patrick's friend, Jason Braun. Let's let him tell that story. Did you leave anybody behind that, you know, that uh, you want to remember today or in these days?
1: Uh, yeah. My best friend, uh, a guy named Jason Vaughn. Um,
0: want to tell us about Jason?
1: Yeah, he was, uh, I met him when I was in basic training Um. We weren't uh, really hanging out like that because uh, he was um, he had his own friends. But uh, amazingly, when after basic training uh, we got stationed in Fort Lewis, Washington, and, and you know we started hanging out and um, we planned that once we get out of the army that uh, me and him are gonna gonna drive around the U.S., you know, like, like, live life and, Mm. and just, uh, see what, what the U.S. has to offer, but, unfortunately, it was, uh, he didn't make it because of, I would say, I don't know if it's incompetence or just blind courage, what my, uh, company commander did, but, Cause, uh what happened was from our, what I was told is um, we're driving up in this road and they got a they got a call saying there's an IED um, just down the road from you guys and but my company commander ignored that and said don't worry I got you you know then they not even probably 10 feet from moving and they got blown up and that's when my best friend died, and it was really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: where was he from?
1: Uh, I think he was uh, from Georgia.
0: Georgia, I see. Well, yeah. we'll say a prayer for him, you know, along with uh, all those other you know brothers and sisters that yeah. made their sacrifice.
1: Uh, yeah, because uh, a week before that, that's when my whole entire squad was uh, got blown up from an id like i don't know if you know a striker
0: um, yeah. apc yeah i've ridden in a striker too. Um, oh, cool you you said uh, yeah, uh, that... you said uh your, your squad uh what, what squad what company what, what regiment
1: uh, we were in uh third uh, brigade second id mm-hmm. um and uh what they did was uh, they put a lot of, like, um, artillery rounds and, and like, um, you know, you know petrol, uh, tanks on the yeah. ground. Yeah. Like, they really buried it really good, so we didn't see it, and, and it was supposed to be me on that chopping block, but, uh, we were, um, okay, let me tell you what, what happened that day. So, we were doing, um. Patrol, and then we got a call from an Apache helicopter saying, "Hey, we saw this um, white car that's driving around that looks suspicious." And my company commander was like, "Really, whoa!" And he was like, "No, no, no, don't worry, we'll we'll follow that." So that car led us into an uh, mm-hmm. an ambush, and we were nakahilera uh, kami. Oh. Uh, oh. uh, yung vehicles namin is. Uh, one after another, and you leader you call. Know, oh, um, you know my vehicle time it's like one three, uh, two three, three three. My vehicle was three three, three three. Go, um, take that post and, um, and this was security.
0: where was this in Anbar or was this, uh, in, in uh, uh... Sounds like something that would happen up there. Uh, like, I would
1: say I think this was in Mosul.
0: Mosul, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds so, very familiar to me.
1: Yeah, uh, Mosul is uh, where I mostly got stationed mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq. But uh, yeah, so starting on platoon leader, go okay, you guys take that spot, and but the vehicle in front of us, they were like, no, 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 we're closer. We'll take it. We'll take it instead. You know, so as soon as they pulled into there, boom, it's just a huge explosion. I was, like, shocked, you know, because it, it happened in front of me.
0: Uh-huh. So, were you, I saw, what, what was your uh, post in, uh, in the striker? Were you uh, driving or were you uh,
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, the, the vehicle commander, but okay. since we are losing drivers and stuff, I decided to step down
0: because you can't train a driver in the middle of war zone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so I decided to be a driver, and I was like, "Wow, that's." I was really, really scared at that time. Like my those my feet was shaking because I know. Uh, I was thinking one wrong move, and I could be like them. You know? Yeah. And let me tell you, that striker was like probably five tons or 50 tons mm-hmm. you know and when that blew up it split over and we almost got split in half everyone who was inside that vehicle flew out mm. and we just saw the the bodies of our brothers and it was and then all of a sudden we got small arms fire from this building and we re- returned fire yeah yeah, that's uh, that was a uh, tough because uh, we lost almost an entire squad. Mm-hmm.
0: Was it a, a ordinance or what? What did they use for the IED? Um,
1: the, the patrol tanks ah, okay. and, and like artillery rounds they buried it onto the ground. Yeah, you because know, oh. uh, from what we were told the Iraqis were being offered $5,000 for every U.S. soldier that Mm -hmm. they killed.
0: Patrick tells us a lot more about what happened in uh, Mosul in one particular operation or one particular situation where his striker brigade uh, unit was deployed, and uh, they, they went in with the battalion he was a part of, and came in to do the duty they did in that part of Iraq. It's a pretty significant event. Do you remember the date
1: by any chance? <sighs> No, I do (laughs) not. That was so long ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that would have been, what, 2007,
1: maybe? 2006, probably. 2006, okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I can look it up. I can
1: can see, because uh, that was my second, I think, IED experience. The first one was in Mosul, too. Uh, We were driving in this road called the Gauntlet. Uh-huh. Cause uh, we call it the garland because that's where we usually get hit. And this ID blew up underneath my vehicle, uh-huh. and up until you now I. You weren't hurt.
0: You didn't get hurt. You didn't get hurt. You
1: didn't get and i didn't get hurt. I didn't get hurt. You didn't get didn't get didn't get I heard this, uh, my platoon sergeant um, on my uh, radio saying, you know, uh, step on the gas. So I step on the gas and we just drove out of there. And then once I got out, I saw my vehicle, like, pulled shrapnels and stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Perhaps there are also forces that we don't know about who may be doing work that they can't talk about. In places and wars that we all know about and uh, we just want to say to them hoorah, and semper Fi, and all those slogans which you hear on tv which don't really mean a lot to the grunts and guys on the ground or gals for that matter. All those who serve have messages for those they left behind. Patrick had a friend who he left behind, his best friend, who served with him in the war. And uh, like many Filipino Americans, Patrick remembers fondly his friend. Not only that, promises made that uh, in a way he does for his friend, he can't do it because he never made it home. Lastly, let's leave uh, Patrick with the last word today as we go through this memorial day from the point of view Patrick Salvador yeah. uh, do you, do you have any like special message or something you'd like to say to you know you know you're one who made it back? Uh, there are many others who unfortunately didn't uh, there are many others who even though they made it back, they're still there. You know, they're they're, mm-hmm. they're still always thinking about it every day and all that. Do you have any oh, message yeah.
1: for those uh, it's those people something that'll never like leave you? Like even me, I I think about like the stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my message to all the other veterans is like, you know, I, I know what it's like and I know it's also tough to move forward knowing that you came back and your brothers didn't and I for the last time I actually was really I I felt guilty you know that I'm here and some of my brothers didn't make it Mm -hmm. but you, you just gotta you just gotta accept And what happened, happened, and you just got to move on. And uh, I promise my my brothers that I will live my life as honorably and as rightfully as I can for their memory. You know, Mm -hmm. that's all I can do.
0: Yeah, that's all we all can do. Yeah. So thank you so much, Patrick, for you know agreeing to this interview, and thank you for your service. And God bless you and oh, your family, you. yeah. and uh, we'll pray for you. And uh, you know, let's, you. Uh, let's hope it. none of us, none of our children, have to go back someday somewhere. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I think you yeah, have had enough uh, of it. Yeah, uh, it,
1: it was a different time because uh, you know the the U.S. got act, and that never happened before you know what I mean so I was in New York actually in high school when that happened that's why I ended up joining the military Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well you have a great day Patrick and uh, you know think about your brothers and sisters who are who are not with us and uh, also what you just said about living on and living forward for them for what you know they can't do now anymore God bless you
1: you too thank you
0: thank you sir (laughs) From the ground to the air, when we come back, we have another episode for Memorial Day. two for you today as we talk with Gary, Gary Javier, in our next episode on Memorial Day. I'm Mike of New York. Let's so all remember and commemorate this Memorial Day and remember those who are not with us but would certainly have loved it. Have a great day. God bless. Hug those you have close to you. And remember, all who are here, all who are near, and all that that means to each and every one of us. I'm Mike of New York, Mike Cohen.
1: Have a great day.